morning, church family. Uh, I want to thank God uh, for your prayers for Pastor Carabo. Uh, is we had always prayed for for the Solar Five conference for over about four or five months, I think. <laughs> thank you very much for indeed those prayers were were answered. We had a beautiful journey to to Manzini. It was our first time to go there. We had no problems with the transport. We traveled very well. And uh, we we were not, uh, we didn't encounter any problems at the at the borders, except when we were coming back for more blessing. But otherwise, everything else was fine. Then at, at the conference, um, as you well know, uh, all know, Solar 5 is not a denomination. It's an association of of churches that have the same kind of uh, uh, beliefs, especially dating back from the the issues that uh, that motivated the reformation, those five solars, those five uh, values that we hold. If you're not aware of, I think there's a small booklet that is available that explains uh, our five values. Like we only believe in in Christ alone, in the Bible alone. Remember, during the, those times when, uh, during the Reformation, when uh, when 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 the Protestants were challenging uh, the Catholic Church, which was bringing in additional uh, materials to to explain Scripture. So it, during the Reformation, it became that we believe in the scriptures, there is final authority in matters of faith. So those are some of the uh, the values that we hold together as, as the Solar Five. So the Solar Five, like I say, it's not a denomination, but it's an association of believers that come together sharing the same kind of faith, Christ alone, by grace, uh, uh, and by grace and faith alone, and we believe that glory be to to God alone. So those are some of the values. So the this year it was um, organized by Manzini Fellowship there in the heart of Eswatini, in the heart of Swaziland. That's, that's where we were. We were hosted uh, quite well. We enjoyed the fellowship there. Pastor Karabo was the first speaker. He spoke on the pattern of, of prayer, uh, basing on the Lord's Prayer which he said that prayer really is not to be recited, but we must learn from the formation of the prayer, the pattern that uh, is emphasized there, that uh, the, the first issues that are talked about is about giving glory to, to, to the Lord, to God. And then the next thing is about the, the petitions. So that's how he explained that uh, uh, prayer. And then there was a brother, a pastor from uh, Zambia, called Chipita Sibale. He shared also on the purposes of of prayer. Uh, another brother from from Puluwane, from Christ Seminary, he was the principal of uh, Pastor Karao, Charles uh, Ramuf, Ramufuzi. Yeah. He spoke about the, the priorities of prayer, that when you come to prayer, you must come uh, by faith, and uh, uh, he, he also explained, 
your position there when you come to 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 prayer and then uh there was a pastor from an uh called richard Prequest, uh Prescott. he spoke on the corporate on the corporate prayer and that was a bit more powerful to me that he was going through the book of uh the acts of the apostles that when 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 that prayer was done it was more of corporate prayer that the church was coming together in prayer they he, he emphasized that during the 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 early church the church really had a special time for prayer in addition to individual prayer but what we find mostly emphasized in the book of Acts is corporate prayer where the church was together praying so it was really powerful and then uh, there was uh, pastor Dave Kramer from uh, Coastal Bible Church in in Cape Town he spoke about the passion um, of, of prayer and he based that passion on on Christ uh, as you as, as he prayed in in the garden of Gethsemane they, he, he showed us that we must be passionate, passionate about, about, about prayer. Remember when Christ was praying until his sweat uh, became uh, drops of, of blood. So he emphasized there. Then uh, the sixth but not least uh, 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 session was uh, addressed by Des Venter from Amans Mtoti where he spoke about the peace that we get when we when we when we pray and he emphasized it on on psalms 25 that we must trust trust the lord in in prayer so basically that was in a nutshell uh, the topics that were covered but in this modern day of technology you can download some of these things uh, and i'm sure they will be available and uh, for those who are interested i think even if you go on solar five you find uh, Stuart chase He's posting most of these things on 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 the on the on the internet. There, you can you can access and uh, enjoy uh, uh, a lot of uh, that teaching that will help you in your Christian walk. Thank you for praying for us. We had a beautiful journey, and uh, Pastor Karabo is not with us today. He had some e engagements uh, uh, in Jobek. That's where he is, and. I am now wearing his shoes, uh, and I'll be the, the preacher man of today. Let's open our Bibles. To Matthew 27. Verse 45 to 47. Or if you want, you can still open Mark 15, verse 33 to 35. You can choose where to read from. If you found, I will read from Matthew 27, from this 45 to 47. 
38th of Jesus Christ, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthan, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard him, heard this, they said, he is calling Elijah. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that you have given us, that we might sit down and learn from your word. Thank you, God, for you inspired your word, and your word is active. It is able to to teach us, to rebuke us, to direct our paths. Please, Lord, explain these words to us, for I have prayed in Jesus' name, O oh Lord. Amen. Uh, I'm not worthy to explain these scriptures because these are inspired words of God and they are to be taken seriously. And uh, uh, I find them very difficult to explain. I'm not also at the moment uh, very much uh, uh, have an explanation as to what the Lord really meant uh, when he spoke these words. But however, with the little that we have, that we understand, let us look at these scriptures and see whether we can learn one or two things uh, that the Lord meant on this day when he was hanging on the cross. I've said these words appear almost verbatim, word for word. If you are to open to Mark 15, you read almost exactly the same thing. This is to be taken very seriously because, like I said, these are the inspired words, the words of God that he has written for us to read. Why would the Lord allow such a situation? Why would one apostle write the same thing, another apostle write the same thing? These are different individuals, but they are writing this together and almost word after word is their witness. This is very important. It is worth to note. A few observations that we can make together on these scriptures that I've just read you'll observe the following. One, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. There is darkness that is coming over all the land. It is sustained for three hours. You should look carefully. It's for three hours there was darkness. This is not an eclipse. It's darkness that was there. To those I was trying to research on eclipses and I saw that uh, the anticipated longest eclipse is going to occur for only about seven, for seven minutes. You know when the, when, remember the eclipse when the, when, is it the moon that comes in the path of the, of, of the earth there and then we have the shadow of the moon being cast on the earth. The longest eclipse is going to only exist for about seven minutes and those astronomers and those who calculate they said it's gonna okay in the 2186 uh, in the year 2186 and the other one that okay it was only for about six minutes some years back so this is real darkness that was there that occurred for three hours 
you can also see that during this time, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. From the ninth hour to the twelfth, from the, uh, from the sixth hour to the twelfth hour, these people during this time, they counted hours from, from, from the morning. What you call six o'clock probably would be the first hour. Sort of. uh, so, when the, so they counted uh, uh, the sixth hour then becomes mid, midday to us, which is 12 o'clock today. Uh, uh, so from 12 o'clock, which is midday, to 3 o'clock, there's three hours there. So there was darkness in this land for those three hours. And during this period, what you can notice and observe there, our Lord Jesus Christ was silent. He never said anything. Remember the last time we spoke, he had said a number of, uh, 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 he had said a number of uh, uh, sayings that we said, the sayings. Uh, he had said, uh, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they, were, uh, they are doing. He had also said uh, to the, to, to, uh, to the, to this, to one of those, to, to the uh, robbers, today I'll be with you in paradise. He had also said uh, and addressed the uh, John, he had addressed Mary, uh, he had said, woman, your, your son, and son, your mother. He had spoken. Now, for these next three hours, Christ is silent. This is something that we notice there. Christ is silent. He remained silent during this period. And then what happens? At the ninth hour, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He spoke. And his, what he spoke on the ninth hour, he cried out with a loud voice. Why would Christ cry out with a loud voice? A loud voice is a voice that can be heard. It's like a scream that can be heard. He cried out with a loud voice. It's something that you can observe there. And the next thing that we observe is in, in that cry, he cries with a loud voice. And what, he, what does he cry saying? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. If you read again from the book of Mark, he, he quotes that, that when Christ cried, he spoke these words, which are, in Aramaic, uh, it's, which are in Aramaic. By the way, uh, Matthew and Mark, when they were writing these Gospels, they were writing in Greek. So they were writing to the, to the Gentiles. For that reason, he then, they then want the recipients of the Gospels to understand, to learn exactly and quote how the Lord put it. So the Lord put it in this way, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthan, which is, the Lord spoke uh, more of his uh, home language, what he used to speak then. Uh -huh. So they quoted that this is what he said. So that's what we can observe there, that it's a real quotation, which scripture is full of, uh, uh, it's, it's written, but there are a few areas, a few times in scripture where we find uh, this happening. Remember uh, to that lady, that, that, that little girl that had died, we, where Christ says, uh, come out, get out. Uh, remember those words? 
they are quoted and then spoken uh, for us to to understand how the Lord said to to that to that to that to that girl to come out here here also at this particular passage Christ uh, allows us as he inspired this gospel that we might get into and listen to the words that how he cried how the cry was put across something that you note also is the apostles immediately offer the meaning of these words in as they write this gospel they also explain to us that what he meant there was my god my god why is thou forsaken me why have you forsaken me they interpret the words for us something that we observe there the bystanders they could not really understand what uh, uh, the meaning of that cry because they thought oh he is calling elijah so that's what the bystanders thought christ when he said eloi eloi lama sabakatan something that we can observe there is christ prays or petitions the father the same words which are written in psalms 22 if you read psalms 22 verse 1 you will find exactly the same words and this is david prophesying david the singer david the psalmist he is prophesying and saying the same words which christ quoted at the cross my god my god why have you forsaken me but now remember as for christ he is not only reciting these words this is an experience that he is going through he is man at the same time he is god he is going through an expression of of pain and it is the pain of abandonment christ is feeling the pain here that he has been abandoned or has been forsaken by the father he felt really abandoned he felt really rejected he felt really despised yet he was god and how could god have such a feeling it is very very difficult for us to explain this and we are men of uh, a little understanding this we are trying to explain an infinite god with a finite mind we may not be able really to come really to the cracks one day we'll understand in full when the lord really explains what he really meant but however let us let us attempt to find out what probably uh, these things can mean to us and why the lord allowed us allowed us a glimpse of for us to to understand the anguish that he was going through this is normally called the anguish of christ the pain of christ or, or during this uh, when we when we read the the seven uh, sayings of christ on the cross this was the uh, the, the the expression of anguish that christ had what comes into our minds when we view darkness darkness is the opposite of light we all know and the lord spoke a lot of uh, <coughs> in in a lot of areas he spoke about darkness he spoke about about light and he was so clear if you read the book of john the gospel according to john 
you will see that uh, Christ is very clear about those that walk in in, in, in darkness and uh, especially John chapter 1, John chapter 3 Christ speaks about a, a, a darkness as being the opposite of light and where there is darkness there is no fellowship in the book of John you find uh, John writing about light is uh, uh, synonymous with, with, with fellowship so this darkness, the presence of darkness symbolizes the loss of fellowship and the reality of abandonment for three hours not an eclipse for three hours there was darkness and we can see from that darkness that something was happening spiritually that we cannot really be able to understand but all we can say here is at that point in time that darkness was like Christ was feeling the pinch of loss of fellowship with his father Jesus had been silent for those past three hours in darkness and what was happening there he was bearing our sin and suffering under a sense of divine wrath and the hiding of the father's face during that time we can only see that when Christ was quiet and under darkness there Christ was bearing our sin he was becoming our substitute. He was taking our sin. And he was going through real agony. The agony that is we are unable to explain. And look something that happens there. He calls Christ. He calls God. His God. My God. My God. Remember? If we studied together the book of John, most of the times Christ would address God as his father. My father. He would cry and, and explain that my father. But here in this instance he calls God my God. My God. We need to go deeper and find out why would at this moment in time, why wouldn't he cry just Abba or why would he cry Father? Here we see the humanity also of Christ. Christ in his shoes as man looking and calling to God and feeling the pinch of that abandonment why would Jesus say why have you forsaken me when he knew that you would be raised from the dead and therefore not ultimately forsaken these things are questions that we really need to think about seriously in his anguish John MacArthur says because of the separation he now experienced for the first time and only time in eternity here he did not address God as father because the son had taken sin upon himself the father turned his back here is Christ now being made sin Christ is now sinful Christ is now taking your sin he has taken all the, the sin that you can ever imagine it's now on Christ and see it's darkness when sin when you are in sin you are in darkness and God is a holy God he cannot fellowship with darkness he cannot fellowship with, with sin and Christ at this moment he has been made sin on our behalf God 
He has perfect harmony, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This temporal separation was not one of nature or of, 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 of or essence. In other words, he, he, he didn't cease to be God. Christ is God. That we believe. At this moment in time, this separation, this temporal separation that existed, at the, at, uh, that abandonment, that, that being forsaken, it did not mean that Christ had stopped being God. But uh, Jesus, for a while, he ceased to know the intimacy of fellowship that has always existed between, uh, in, the, in, the God, in the Godhead. At that moment in time, that intimacy that had always existed, it had ceased because Christ had become seen. John MacArthur says, uh, you know, when you have got a, an example of a, a, a disobedient child, if you are a father and your child becomes disobedient, for a short while, you, you, your son ceases to have that intimacy, that loving relationship, fellowship with, 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 with you, but he still remains your, 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 your son. So this is probably how we can explain that forsakenness where Christ is now carried on sin and that intimacy of fellowship that he had with his father. For that particular time, he felt forsaken. He felt abandoned. He felt rejected. He felt despised. When he was on the cross, Jesus was taking the sins of the world upon himself. This is what scripture says. 1 Peter 2 Verse 24, I think we have to refer to these scriptures because they form the, uh, the, 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 the basis for what we are saying now. 1 Peter 2, verse 24, and 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, and Galatians 3, verse, uh, verse 3. We will refer to those scriptures. Let's read 1 Peter 2, verse 24. If you found 1 Peter 2, uh, verse 24, I'll read it. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. So in 1 Peter 2, verse 24, it is actually referring that Christ bore our sins in his body. And this is prophetic. Isaiah had spoken about it, that he would bear our transgressions. Would. So at this moment in time, Christ has been made sin. He is our sin bearer. And the most lovely scripture that I want you to memorize and put in your head is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. A very important scripture for us. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So during this three hour period, Christ was bearing our sin. He was carrying our sin. He was becoming our, our, our sin bearer. A look at Galatians 3, if you are there. 
also to make the emphasis Okay, I think I've mixed my my glasses. Anyway, this this is this is very very important to us to understand that the three-hour period, that three-hour period that occurred, it was a time of darkness. It was a time of pain for Christ. For this reason, I want us to get three learning points that we find from Scripture to emphasize this, the, uh, what happened here. Number one, I want us to realize that God hates sin. I want us to realize that God hates sin. The climax reached by men was when men crucified the Son of Man. When men deliberately, through their own power, they went there and they were crucifying the, uh, uh, the Lord. It was, it was a, 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 one of the greatest sins that mankind has ever done to the Son of God. Jesus, as man, had to die because the wages of sin is death. As the Son of Man, you know, the Bible tells us in Romans 3, verse, uh, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. So Jesus, as human, Jesus, as the Son of Man, he had to die, and dying under the hands of evil men. Men you and me, represented by those who crucified Christ. On the cross, we, least, we, we now see that sin separates men from God. There is no fellowship between light and darkness. That's what the Bible says. On the cross, Jesus was receiving the wages of death, the wages of sin. Those wages were due you and me. They were supposed to be your wages, but he was taking them. He had no sin, as we have read. He had no sin. He himself bore our sins in his body on the, on the tree. That's what First Peter 2, 20, 24 says. Point number two. Here we see God's absolute holiness. God is just. We see God's holiness and his justice. This is what we see on the cross here. Let's look at these four different viewpoints on the cross. There's a viewpoint here, first, at the cross, where men did a work. Men did a work here. And the work that men did, it is, they actually displayed, displayed the sinfulness of men, the depravity of men, the sinfulness of men, by taking the perfect one, and with wicked hands nailing him to the cross. This is a viewpoint that we see about men doing this to, 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 to the Son of God, showing the utter wickedness of men. That's a viewpoint that we are seeing there. And the second viewpoint we are seeing there, at the cross, Satan is doing a work. He's carrying out a work. And the work that Satan is carrying out here is displayed when, remember, the Bible says 
the seed of the woman would bruise the heel, your heel. This is in Genesis 3, when the Lord was giving and explaining the case to the snake, that the seed of the woman would bruise you, your heel, your head. Remember, here, here now, we see the woman's seed as represented by Christ. is the woman's seed. But we see also, we see also the devil bruising the heel of Christ. It's a metaphor that is used to show the injuries that the devil inflicts uh, uh, this, the, 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 I don't know whether you are, I'm together with you nicely here. Because in Genesis 3 verse 15, God puts a curse between the snake, right? And, 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 and he says, you, because of what you have done, the seed of the woman will bruise your, your head. But you also, the snake, would bruise the, the heel. So here we can see the viewpoint that we are seeing here is Satan is at work. And he is the one who is inflict, inflicting these injuries. He's inflicting, he's, 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 he's causing, causing the, the pain that Christ is carrying. It is the work of Satan. He's doing a work of causing injuries to Christ. The third viewpoint, at the cross, the Lord did a work. The Lord is doing a work there. Who is doing a work? Christ is doing a work. And the work which he is doing, he is doing the work for the unjust that he might bring us to God. So Christ is working at the cross, bringing us to God. And the fourth work that is happening at the, at the cross there is God is exhibiting the work. And the work which he is exhibiting is of his holiness, which must be satisfied. His holiness must be satisfied. And it must be satisfied, and his justice must be, must be shown. And the holiness there that is happening, that God wants satisfied, and the justice what, that he wants satisfied, it can only be satisfied when he empties his wrath on our substitute, who is Christ. God is holy. He doesn't fellowship with sin. God is just. What the evil, the, the, the sin that we did, it needs to be paid out for. Now, God is exercising his wrath on Christ. So God is at work. He's exercising his work on Christ. His wrath on Christ. The three hours of darkness that we see. And Christ is crying in anguish that why why have you forsaken me? God is holy. He could not at that point in time look at Christ being made sin. The Savior was bearing our sin. So here we see the absolute holiness and the justice of God. And the point number three that I want also to bring across to us is here we find the explanation of Gethsemane. Remember in Gethsemane, in Matthew chapter 26, from verse 36 to 39, when Christ was praying there, he prays one prayer that many of us still remember and can recall. When Christ says, let this cup pass over me, he, in fact, 
at that moment in time, when reality was dawning on him that you would suffer, that you would suffer, Christ prayed that, Lord, let this cup pass. And most of us, we think that we are of the persuasion that Christ was anticipating the pain of being, of being, of being nailed on the cross, isn't it? Of being mocked by the, by the, by the, uh, by the people, of being whipped by the, uh, by the, by, by the soldiers. But there was a deeper sense than that, which, when Christ looked beyond, you could see the ultimate separation and hiding of the father's face from him when he would become sin. This made him to pray and sweated that drops of blood that we find there. When Christ prayed and sweating blood, it was because of this anticipation. So we can see Gethsemane being explained here. It is being explained in the sense that there was a deeper a more spiritual, a more deeper suffering that Christ would undergo. The suffering of the Father turning his face from him. That abandonment that we talked about. So, so this is what how we can see as point number three, how Gethsemane is explained. Because he says the cup normally is a cup of wrath. A cup containing the wrath of God. That's why he said, surely Lord, let this pass. So, but anyway, he then bowed to the Father's will. So that's why we, we said that viewpoint that at the cross, God was also crushing Christ. He was crushed for our infirmities. That's what uh, the prophet Isaiah uh, uh, refers to. So, having seen that Christ was taking the wrath, the wrath of God, what must be our position? Let's conclude by saying, we have seen that when Christ is calling Eloi, Eloi Lama Sabakatan, when he's saying, my God, my God, why have, why have you forsaken me? He had been made sin. God had sin. God had sin. His wrath descends on sinners. This is why the nation of Israel went through a lot of discipline until even being taken away from their own land because of sin. God had sin. And we must not think and God is just loving and forgiving. God hates sin. Imagine God turning his face from Christ because Christ had become sin for us. God hates sin. Let us not try and, uh, 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 and beautify sin and make it look like it, 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 uh, the changing times. Now, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of sins, sexual sins of today, lot of sins that, that we people today tend to try and beautify. God hates sin. And for this reason, Christ felt forsaken because he had become our sin bearer. We see that God is holy and he is just. The justice of God demanded that Christ die. Christ had to die because he had carried sin. As a man, he had to die for the wages of sin. is death. He had to die because he had carried our sin. However, to you today, Christ, well, he felt abandoned. That was very true. But he will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. He did this all for you. So, let us rejoice and enjoy our relationship with our Lord. 
because he did this all for us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the words that Christ spoke on the cross when he prayed and addressed this petition to you, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We do not understand. We only understand in part. We pray, Lord, that as we meditate on these words, you might continue to reveal to us and help us, God, to understand. We thank you for on the cross Christ took our sin. He became our sin. He who knew no sin, he became sin for us. We are really so much thankful. Please, Lord, help us. And thank you for while you felt abandoned on the cross, you did it on our behalf. And you are safe and secured in your hands. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to that time when we celebrate our Lord's death uh, through the partaking of the, of the table. Uh, the Bible teaches us that uh, every man ought to take this seriously when we come to the table. We need to examine ourselves uh, before we eat the bread and drink of the cup. If there is any sin that needs to be confessed, it is your opportunity moment to, to do so. Let us pray individually in our hearts. Father, we come before your presence to thank you for the work of Christ on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for you felt abandoned by God for our behalf because you had taken our sin. Now, Lord, we confess where we fail you, sins of commission, sins of omission, and sins, O oh God, Lord, of our mental attitudes. Deliver us, O oh God, and make us uh, uh, presentable and acceptable before you. We thank you. May you minister to us through this grace. In Jesus' name, amen.